When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Get Booked is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders. Struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to know what is coming out in the next few months for work or your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, Book Riot Insiders is here for you. Our new release index available at the novel level for just $5 a month is curated by resident philosopher reader Liberty Hardy from the All the Books podcast. She keeps track of the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next novel hit stores, or find your next favorite read. And there is a two-week free trial. So go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 179, and we are recording on May 7th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot, the land of sneezes. Allergy apocalypse. <laughs> it's too real. <laughs> Richmond is apparently the allergy capital of the country. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Like, there are warnings and such not. Like, when you move here. I did not realize this. I don't generally have bad seasonal allergies. You didn't get your warning in the mail. <laughs> I didn't. I was not warned. Um, actually, I might have been because VCU does tell people that kind of stuff when you move here to go to school. But um, yeah, it's like the worst. Everything is yellow for weeks. It's so gross. Oh, gosh, I'm just remembering now when I lived in Baltimore, the like the pollen scraping you would have to do in the spring and summer, like your windshield would just be buried under yellow. It's not that bad here in Philly, I don't think. I've not noticed it anyway. That's my story about that. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. We do talk about things other than allergies, I promise. If you are new to the show and you don't know how it works, here's how. You send us reading recommendation requests, and we work to find the next book for you. It could be something that is a personal favorite that you're having trouble finding a comp for. Maybe you need a recommendation for your book club or a gift for a friend or a relative or you're traveling somewhere and want to read something from that area. All of these and really anything else, we will do our best to find you a next favorite read. You can send those questions in either via email to getbooked at bookriot.com. Or you can drop them in the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site for every episode. And if you have a date that you would like a response back by, please do note that either in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form, real big, time sensitive. Tell us the date. We'll do our best. If we don't think we're going to get to your question before that date, or if you've asked something that we've answered a couple times already, we might email you a response. So keep an eye out for those. And we do have some listener recommendations for Kat, who asked for the adult literary fiction series last time. And Michelle says a great literary fiction series is the Neapolitan Quartet by Elena Ferrante. I cannot believe we did not think of that. I, can't, I was just going to say, I cannot believe either of us did not think of that. <laughs> Whoops. Um, not at all doodly, not aggressively doodly. In fact, the exact opposite. It is, as Michelle says, a deep dive into characters throughout their lives with a beautiful Italian setting 
plus some intrigue since no one really knows who this author is. Exciting. Yes, very good recommendation, Michelle. Okay, so Amanda's going to read our first question and then tell us about our first sponsor and away we go. Okay, our first question is from Brooke, who says, My daughter is 10 and in fifth grade. She's recently discovered all the Marvel movies and has watched them over and over. Some of the movies are a little intense, but the genie is well out of the bottle. She also loves the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She recently asked me if she could read some of the Marvel graphic novels or comics. I haven't read a lot myself, some Thor, Vision, and Black Panther, all of which I enjoyed very much. I handed her my Black Panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates, but she had trouble understanding it. The Thor and Vision I have read are graphic in in the sex and violence department, and I'm not crazy about her reading that. So are there any Marvel graphic novels appropriate for her age group? Before you wreck Miss Marvel, she really wants to read about these MCU characters she's fallen in love with. Okay, so before we get to that, we're going to talk about our first sponsor, which I am so excited about. It's called Her Royal Highness by Rachel Hawkins, and it's a queer princess, contemporary princess story in Scotland. Yay! Yes. Um, so, yeah. Let me say it again. Her Royal Highness is what it's called by Rachel Hawkins. So this is a like entertainment weekly regal kind of romance. It's a companion novel to Prince Charming, which is a New York Times bestselling book, also by Rachel Hawkins, obviously. Millie Quint is the main character, and she's really like heartbroken at the beginning of the book because she discovers that her sort of best friend slash girlfriend has been maybe kissing someone else. So like she's ready for a change of place, pace, and place. And she starts applying for scholarships to boarding schools, you know, like the farther from Houston where she lives, the better. So she gets accepted into one of the most exclusive boarding schools, which is in the Highlands of Scotland. It's Harry Potter. Like, everything is dreamy and green and ivy, and she's basically in Hogwarts, and all the students think that she's, like, this adorable American. Except Millie's roommate is a total princess, like a real princess, like an actual princess of Scotland. Um, And at first, they really don't get along, can't stand each other. But before Millie knows it, she has another kind of friend, sort of girlfriend. So Princess Flora could be like a new chapter in her love life, but like our happily ever after is real. Big giant question marks. I'm sure you can figure out whether or not they are because it's a romance novel. I'm like so into this and I'm going to go order it as soon as we're done <laughs> the recording because this sounds very exciting to me. So that is the Her Royal Highness by Rachel Hawkins. Does Scotland have royalty? Is that real? Well, I was just going to say we've had a spate of Scottish royalty recently. Like one of Alyssa Coles's heroes is like a Scottish yeah. dude. I want to say yes Duke by default but those are not real (laughs) so it's just made up titles yeah I I was like I feel like the last Scottish royalty I remember existing in real life was Mary and that didn't turn out well for her yeah and that did I was just gonna say Mary and Bonnie Prince Billy like neither of those turned out great yeah and then that was kind of it (laughs) like that was sort of it so yep pretty much well I don't care if they're real or not I'm in nope yay okay so Marvel so like MCU comics slash graphic novels for a 10 year old um, I picked Captain Marvel Volume 1, uh, which is called In Pursuit of Flight. This is by Kelly Sue DeConnick, Dexter Soy, Emma Rios, and several other people. I'm not going to list them all off. I'll put them in the show notes um, who do the art. And the first edition, In Pursuit of Flight, um, Volume 1 collects the first six floppies of the comic. And Kelly Sue's version of Captain Marvel is is very much the version that the movie was based on. And like Kelly Sue actually makes a cameo if you can spot her um, in Captain Marvel in the subway. Yes, I was so excited about that. A very cute little redhead walking through and I very loudly yelled, that's Kelly Sue comic and no one appreciated that from me. But it's fine. So if she's seen the movie, which I assume she has, because she's that you said that she's like seen all of the Avengers movies, um, then this character will be super familiar to her. And this one is a little bit of a departure from the movie. Um, and it is a lot about Carol Danvers's backstory and how she got her powers and her time as a, not time as a human, she's still a human, but before she was a superpowered human, 
um, as a pilot. And there's an element of like time travel in this. And it's not over the top with the violence in the same way that like her movie was not over the top with the violence. Like she fights bad guys and whatnot, but there's no, I don't think there's anything that a 10 year old can't handle, especially if she's already seen the movies. So uh, I'm not going to go like deep into plot synopsis because I don't want to spoil it, but it does continue. Like Kelly Sue wrote more of the Captain Marvel comic. So if she likes it, she can go get volume two. So that's Captain Marvel volume one in pursuit of flight by Kelly Sue DeConnick. I'm trying to remember if she punches the dinosaur in volume one or volume two. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, get both just in case. (laughs) I went to my personal Marvel expert, Preeti Chibber, for this because she knows everything. And also she has a book coming out that is a Spider-Man tie-in to Far From Home. It's out on June 4th. It's called Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal. And it is like a diary of a wimpy kid, but Spider-Man. So you're definitely going to want to get that for your daughter when it comes out. Um, But in the meantime, she recommends Spidey Volume 1, First Day by Robbie Thompson. It's her favorite of the recent Spider-Man Marvel series. And this first volume also is a collection of issues one through six for this run of Spider-Man. And there are like Doc Ock and there's an Iron Man team up. So she'll see some characters that she's seen from the movies. She says the series has some of her favorite art and there's really hilarious like little quippy lines. So if she loves that about Peter Parker, it's definitely that kind of story. Uh, Especially if you saw Captain America Civil War, which she did and like was like, oh, that's the Peter I want. Like that's the Peter that you're going to get in this. And she says you don't really need to know anything ahead of of time there's like a origin story explainer and the it goes back to his high school days so it's very accessible and super fun and i think she will really dig it and so yeah so that's spidey volume one first day written by robbie thompson lots of artists will put those in the show notes and a reminder peter and ned's ultimate travel journal pitch for preeti chibber's book yay uh, out june 4th so excited for her So our next question is from Candace, who says, my partner and I are driving from San Antonio, Texas to Colorado Springs, Colorado for our first vacation. We would like to listen to an audiobook or two along the way. We would like something that both of us can enjoy. Uh, Extra points for a book set in Colorado or with a road tripping theme. We are both POCs, so an author that we're that reflects that would be ideal trigger warnings for sexual assault and abuse and he is an avid D player his reading likes include gritty fantasy speculative sci-fi and witty comedy and my all-time favorite series is the wayward children novellas by shauna mcguire and the wayfair series by becky chambers and there's a bunch of other things listed thank you candace for being very thorough mm-hmm. what you got for this amanda uh just it's just bananas so my pick is the prey of gods by nikki drayden which i will say has a trigger warning for a mention of sexual assault it happened the assault itself happens off the page but it is discussed at one point so that does happen this book is so it's so bonkers and i picked it because it is definitely gritty fantasy um but it's got i think some of the kind of fantastical darkish sort of elements that Sean and Maguire has, especially in the way we're children novellas, because the main character in The Prey of Gods is a 10-year-old girl who has, not superpowers, I just talked about Captain Marvel, so now I'm like stuck on superpowers, um, but who has uh, supernatural abilities um, in the same way that, you know, the way we're children novellas are about kids who are experiencing these really dark supernatural kind of things. So it takes place in South Africa in like a very near future. And everybody has like little personal artificial intelligence robots that follow them. It's basically they're like your smartphones with legs that just like follow you around. 
Um, and in the city, or the coastal town of Port Elizabeth, where the book takes place, um, there's also like a really large genetic engineering industry that's happening. So like you can get a genetically engineered pet or whatever. And all of these things that are happening in South Africa are like the economy is booming and everything seems to be going really well, except there's this really bizarre new drug. It's a hallucinogen that is kind of um, making its way through the population. Also, the artificial intelligence smartphones with legs robots are becoming sentient. And then another also is that, like, demigods and goddesses exist in this universe, and an ancient one has, like, come into town hellbent, hellbent, <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> um, <laughs> insistent on getting back into her place of, like, former power and glory where she was worshipped as, you know, the true monster that she is. And in order to do that, she's going to pray, if you will, from the title on pretty much everybody that she encounters. And then into this situation comes a little girl uh, who is, I'm pretty sure she's 10 in the book. And she has a an ability, she's got abilities, I'm just gonna leave it at that. She kind of accidentally destroys her entire community. Um, and then that brings her to the attention of these various and sundry supernatural things that are happening. And it just gets more kind of bonkers from there. I, I don't even know how to really explain, like there's crabs, crabs and dolphins and weird sex and like (laughs) politicians with secret lives and everybody is maybe a god and maybe not um but it's really the sentient robots that are kind of driving the plot and they have point of view chapters which are adorable these sentient robots those are my favorite parts anyway i think that because because the plot has so much going on and is so off the wall and like odd I think it would make a really great audiobook, and it is available in audio, um, I checked, (laughs) because, like, you will not be able to stop paying attention, and there's also so much to talk about that once you, like, you know, stop for rests or whatever, we'll have plenty from this book to discuss. So, that's The Prey of Gods by Nikki Drayden. Yeah, co-sign all of that. (laughs) I picked for you The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders, who is not an author of color, but there are characters of color in this book, and the themes are really interesting, and she's dealing with colonialism and prejudice and all of that stuff in space in a really interesting way. Uh, And so this is like, this is for your sci-fi leanings, like the William Gibson, Douglas Adams, N.K. Jemisin mentions, I was like, oh, you definitely need the city in the middle of the night. It's narrated by two different characters. And I double checked in the audiobook, they use two different actresses for that, which is kind of cool. So that should be interesting. And it takes place on a planet that is has a fixed orbit where one side is always facing this planet's sun and one side is always away. So there's this basically habitable zone around the middle and between those two areas because, of course, it's way too hot and bright on the day side and it's way too cold and dark on the night side. So humanity has fled Earth and come to this world and made it their home and decided that there were no other sentient beings on this planet spoiler wrong (laughs) (laughs) and has like eked out an existence and what's so interesting about this book is that you know charlie jane andrews is really curious like what what would it be like if there was no time because the amount of sun is constant there's no circadian rhythm so how do humanity how would humanity manufacture time how would you know how old you are how would you know when to sleep like how would you know anything And there's also a lot of like, there is a road trip in the middle of this, which is also why I thought of it. They have to go from one city to another. And it's like, there's beasts and pirates and raiders and all of these dangers and they have to get through it. And it's really dramatic and actiony and it's really fun. 
And there's a really moving sort of friendship slash obsession but not like in a creepy stalkery way just like the main character is very shy and she's really not comfortable with other people and she makes this friend who's very outgoing and glamorous and you know just sort of fixes all of her hopes and dreams on her friendship with this person and then that doesn't work out there's political shenanigans there's like i said a road trip there's there's creature feature in here that's super interesting and super fun and i just think you will really enjoy it and it's paced really nicely so it should you know keep you interested over the course of many hours and the characters are just great and i don't know i thought it was so fascinating it's really interesting So again, that's The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders. All right. Question three is from Kelsey, who says, I'm currently in a reading drought. I'm hoping that you will help me find a new series to enjoy. I have enjoyed Still Alice, An Ember in the Ashes, Snow Child, The Giver, and The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Please help me find something similar. The Snow Child and The Giver are my two all-time favorite books, open to anything minus nonfiction. Okay, I I latched onto the snow thing, (laughs) and I picked The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. And this is a trilogy, and I'm pretty sure all of the books are out. mm, Is The Winter of the Witch out? The first two are definitely out. If the second one, if the third is not out yet, then it, yeah, it is. It came out in January. Everything's fine. Um, So this takes place in Russia, and it's got a lot of that snow child feeling where it's based on folklore. um, And you're watching... What are ostensibly normal people living their life uh, in a really difficult and air- cold, <laughs> uh, hostile kind of environment, while at the same time, all of these like folk tales are coming to life around them. So the main character's name is Vas- uh, Vasilisa, um, and she lives in this, you know, like out, out in the middle of nowhere in Russia with her family, she, her siblings and her father, her, her nurse. Um, and she is an odd little, like, sprite of a kid who's, like, constantly getting into weird trouble. Uh, her nurse tells the kids these stories about Frost, who is, like, the winter demon who comes, you know, comes in the night to claim unwary people who are caught outside and that kind of thing. Um, and so the nurse teaches the girl to participate or how to perform these, like, kind of homey rituals to keep the frost, to keep Frost out and to protect the house from dangerous supernatural beasties and whatnot uh, that are going on outside. And then the girl's mother dies and her father travels to Moscow and comes home with a new wife who is nothing like what the girl is used to. She's a really devout Orthodox Christian. She's, you know, from the city. So living in the middle of nowhere in the Russian wilderness makes her very like bitter and angry. Um, And she decides that Vasilisa needs to be um, like reined in. She can't go outside and run around like a wild thing anymore. She needs to come home, stop with these like weird folksy, witchy kind of practices and like become a good Christian girl. She's going to go to a convent or she's going to get married. This is what's going to happen. But of course, as the new mom removes all of these protective charms and whatnot from the house, things, terrible things start to happen. And then Vasilisa has to decide if she's going, like what path she's going to take basically. Um, So it does have that snow child. I felt like when I was reading the snow child that the entire time I was spent like huddled in a cabin looking out onto an, like a, like a blizzard scared of what was going to come. I mean, this snow child isn't as um, ominous as all that maybe, but that it's a very, it's a very claustrophobic book. And I got the same sort of feeling reading the bear and the nightingale that like I was trapped in this cabin with these people uh, in a Russian wilderness, just like waiting for what was coming. So it has that same kind of feeling to me, I think atmosphere It has the same sort of atmosphere. So that's the bear and the nightingale by Catherine Arden. 
I got stuck on The Giver <laughs> and <laughs> was thinking about that. And so the book I picked for you is The House of the Scorpion by Nancy Farmer, which do not Google because the, like, there's basically spoilers in the description. And I think it's fine. But if you, ha- like I, somehow missed this book as a teenager and don't know anything about it, I would highly recommend knowing as little as possible going into it because like The Giver, it has that same thing where you start out and you're like, I think I know what's going on. And then as the plot unfolds, you're like, I really don't know what's going on here. Um, I will give you some highlights. It takes place in a near future in the desert. And the main character, Mateo, is a young boy who lives very a, a very sort of hard scrabble, isolated life. He knows that there are other people in the world, but he only interacts with this one like caregiver and he doesn't have like possessions. He's like bugs are his friend because that's what his life is like. And then one day outside of his window, there are two children and he like is so excited to talk to them because he never gets to talk to anybody. And he his world so suddenly, you know, starts to open up a little bit and you start to learn more and more about who he is and why his life is the way it is. And it's just, it it just has that sort of feeling of, you know, you're constantly peeking around corners in the plot going, wait, what? Wait, what? Um, and it's not as dreamy, I don't think, as The Giver. Like, it's a little more, like, it's a little more gritty. There's a, you know, it takes place in a strip of land between California and Mexico, sort of in the future. Um, and it's there's like drug cartel stuff going on. But uh, so it's not quite as like happy, cheery as, as the giver is initially. But again, I think it captures a lot of the same feelings. So I do not recommend Googling it if you ha- if you don't already know the thing. So, you know, that's my recommendation for you. So The House of the Scorpion by Nancy Farmer. Our next question is from Daniela, who says, I'm traveling to West Virginia in July to visit my husband's family and to do research for a short story that I'm writing about a haunted coal mine. Awesome. Uh, I want to learn a lot more about West Virginian culture, life, history, etc. I've already read Storming Heaven by Denise Jardina and the stories of Breeze DJ Pancake by Breeze DJ Pancake. Uh, not super picky, just trying to absorb as much knowledge about the history, culture, and how it shaped the lives of those regions. Um, I am going to keep talking. I picked for you John Henry Days by Colson Whitehead. It's one of his that I haven't read. I've read a bunch of his books, but not this one. But I feel comfortable recommending him just like generally because he's so good. Um, And this is a story about John Henry, who you may have heard of, the black steel driver who died out racing a machine designed to replace him. Um, So there is a historical element. And then there is this modern day storyline of of a disaffected journalist who's on a mission to set a record for uh, for junketeering for the annual John Henry Days Festival. So there is this back and forth between, you know, modern times and history. And so you get a little bit of modern West Virginia and old West Virginia. And, you know, you're going to get like blues and stamp collectors and pop culture and, you know, steel driving and all of that stuff. And I feel like this would be a great addition to your personal canon of research. So again, that's John Henry Days by Colson Whitehead.
Okay, so I want to first shout out the book What You're Getting Wrong About Appalachia by Elizabeth Catt, which is not specifically about West Virginia, but of course it is about Appalachia. And it was written in response to um, Hillbilly Elegy, which is terrible. So if you're looking for like a specific nonfiction book to read about the region, don't read Hillbilly Elegy. Read that instead. Okay, so moving on. My actual recommendation for you is Sugar Run by Mesha Marin, which is a new book that just came out this year. Um, and it actually opens, I think, if I remember right, it's in Georgia. And it's about a woman named Jody who has been in prison for 17 or no, for 18 years. She went into jail when she was 17. She was sentenced to life in prison for manslaughter. Um, and it's, it's, um, you know, present day now. And she, the book opens when she's getting out, like on her release day. And so she gets, you know, on a Greyhound bus and starts heading home back to where she's from, which is West Virginia. But first she's going to stop and pick up the little brother, um, who is, I can't remember how old he is. Anyway, she, like, made this promise when she was a teenager that she would take care of one of her friend's little brothers. And so she's going to go get him. That's her plan on a Greyhound bus. Like, day uh, day one out of prison. She's going to go get him uh, and take him home to West Virginia. Um, but along the way, she meets a woman named Miranda, who is a drug addict. She's a young mom. She's got three kids. And she doesn't know, like, her life is just falling apart. So the two of them meet. They fall in love. They decide that they're going to start over. Like, they're going to go get Miranda's kids. And Jody's going to go get this boy that she promised almost two decades ago that she was going to take care of. They're going to move back to West Virginia to Jody's family's land, and they're going to start over. And, of course, none of that goes to plan. They get to West Virginia. They've got a lot of issues with, yeah, I mean, everything you can imagine. Miranda's drug issues, dealing with these children. You know, Jody's been in jail for her entire adult life doesn't know how to interact with kids, really. And now she's having to do that. Um, also, you know, this is rural West Virginia and a lesbian couple living amidst you know in their midst is really like offensive to some of the people who live there so they're dealing with all of that but it is a very i keep using the word claustrophobic on this show but it's a really claustrophobic novel even though jody is trapped like she spends a lot of the book on a bus like she's traveling from georgia running kind of a little bit around the south getting getting her life back together and finding this boy and then getting with miranda and you know heading back to west virginia and once they get there it you know they just like move into a holler and then try to dig their claws into the dirt and make life happen, but they have so many obstacles that they've got to deal with. So yeah, it sounds a bit depressing, but my reading experience was not like that. Like it wasn't, I didn't feel hopeless at the end of it, if that makes sense. So that's Sugar Run by Mesha Marin. Speaking of hope, it is time for our second sponsor, which is Hey-o. called Hope and Other Punchlines by Julie Buxbaum. Look at that. Teed up very nicely. Um, and this is published by Delacorte Press. And if you are a fan of love stories and looking for a summer beach read, you should look no further. This cover is beautiful. It's like a beautiful watercolor, oceany, rainbow kind of situation. It's lovely. And this is about a girl named Abby Hope Goldstein, who is a teenager who was photographed on September 11th as a baby, like wearing a birthday crown and holding a red balloon while behind her, one of the world trade, one of the towers is collapsing. So intense. And like she has basically become a meme. And this is, you know, she's trying to be as incognito as possible, but people recognize her and she has asthma and there are like problems. She's got like, you know, she's got the normal teenagery problems and then this problem on top of it. 
Um, so now she's 15 ish and she is decided to spend the summer before. Oh, excuse me. It's 15 years later. And she's decided to spend the summer before her 17th birthday as a counselor at a day camp for like four year olds. So none of them will know who she is. And she's so excited about that. Except one of the other counselors does know who she is and has his own baggage around September 11th, as of course we all do. And so they start interacting and things unroll from there. And it is about, you know, that summer that changes your life forever as a teenager. It's the kind of book that you'll probably want to talk about with your friends. Um, it's a serious subject, but it's also full of heart and humor. And it will likely stay with you after the summer is over. So that is now available wherever books are sold. Again, that's Hope and Other Punchlines by Julie Buxbaum. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. Okay, question five is from C, who says, I'm looking for some read-alikes uh, for my sister and me. For my sister, I'm looking for a good book to get her as a grad present. Her all-time favorite book is Girl Reading by Katie Ward, and I've heard her complain on multiple occasions that she can't find anything else quite like it, which I would love to change. She tends toward magical realism, feminist literature, and something is slightly off-type plots, like in Never Let You Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. For me, I have a serious book hangover from Isabel Allende's Beneath the Sea. I originally picked it up because it deals with the Haitian Revolution and I lived in Haiti for a year, but was just blown away by the style and mood. I've never so wanted to describe a book as sensual. I liked how the time moved so fluidly and the viewpoint shifted subtly but distinctly, and also smaller details, such as the masterful way that Allende handles the continued rape of the main character, who's a slave woman, both as offhand in the way that would have been treated at the time, and yet as also brutal and despicable. It doesn't have to be set in the same era or place or deal with the same slavery. I just want something to make me feel like this book did. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. So we split this question and I took the um, recommendation for your sister. And my recommendation for her is The Mare Wife by Maria Devana Headley. And this comes with the trigger warning for PTSD. The main character is a soldier who is in either Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, and, you know, terrible things happen to her while she's there before she comes home. So The Mare Wife is a retelling of Beowulf, gender flipped, set in American suburbia. So that's a lot. Like, that's a lot to wrap your head around. Um, and in this, in this retelling, um, that main character who I mentioned, the soldier, uh, her name is Dana. And she is, um, when the book opens and she's overseas in battle and she wakes up after her, I don't remember the correct term, but her unit is attacked. Um, and she wakes up pregnant. She comes back to the U.S. Uh, she doesn't remember how she got pregnant. She didn't want to be pregnant at all. Um, but this is the situation that she's found herself in. And so she has uh, a lot of post-traumatic stress from this whole situation. And she escapes the veterans hospital where she's staying. And she moves into this, like, cave in the mountain that is just outside of Harrett Hall. And Harrett Hall is this suburban kind of paradise. Like, it is everything. All the houses look the same. They're huge. All the wives who live in the houses look the same. All the husbands look the same. Um, and so the character who she most ha has, I don't know, like an antagonistic relationship with is Willa, who is a wife, the wife of Roger Harrod, who's like the heir of this big suburban development. And her life, Willa's life is pretty like kind of normal. She goes to like play dates, drinks wine with her friends. Her son, Dylan, uh, is her only child. But then Dylan and Dana's son, Gren, who is born in this cave in the mountains where they live and survive, meet each other and form a friendship. And then everything falls apart for both of them because Dana doesn't, Dana is hiding her son. She doesn't want him or his existence to be found out. And you, you, 
the reason why I picked this is because it has a little bit of magical realism in it, or maybe it doesn't. Like, you don't know what part of the books that are portrayed as potentially supernatural are Dana's PTSD or what which which parts are like actually something supernatural and strange is happening here. So it does feel very like this is weird. Like this is a bit off, but you don't ever know why. Like you, you're not given enough information from Dana's point of view to know if it's like she's making this up because of her trauma or you know her son really is like a monster, like an actual monster. So if you've read Beowulf, a lot of these illusions will make sense to you but I, you don't have to have read beowulf i think to read this and enjoy it but your sister sounds very like literary so i'm sure she'll understand everything that's happening here so that's the mirror wife by maria devana headley i took the isabella yande part of the question and my answer does happen to be about slavery because i know exactly the feeling that you're having and it's the feeling i had about the book of night women by marlon james uh all of the same trigger warnings for violence and assault et cetera, et cetera, because slavery um and this play takes place on a jamaican sugar plantation around the turn of or excuse me the end of the 18th century and Lilith, the main character, is born and the women around her see something, see a force in her, even from her birth. And these women, who call themselves the Night Women, have been plotting a slave revolt for a very long time. And as Lilith gets older, they start to draw her into this plot. And she also, in the meantime, is coming of age and like kind of is exploring her own powers and options within the very confined box of being a slave on a plantation that, you know, she lives in. So there's just so much going on here. And <laughs> I I read this book and when I was working at a bookstore and wrote a shelf talker for it that said something along the lines of this book crawled into my brain and laid eggs in the good way. And <laughs> and that and it just so happened that that got taken a picture of uh when when like somebody was profiling the store for the for the New York Times local section. So my shelf talker for this book made it into the New York Times, which I will never not be proud of. Um but yeah, it just I like it did it just crawled into my brain and like took up residence there and I was so sucked into it even though again like really dark really heavy stuff really violent but it was so beautifully written and so beautifully told and you just can't shake its effect on you and and uh and the other thing that's interesting about this book is that it is written in patois in dialect so you know it's all told through Lilith's voice, as it were, in the sort of language that she would have potentially used. And it, I think it's a book that, again, teaches you how to read it as you go. Like, I didn't have trouble with it, even though this is not a dialect or patois I'm super familiar with. But it just it teaches you as you go. So I, and I, I think that's part of the effect is it just really does suck you in and gives and just puts you in that mindset. So really intense, really amazing. Again, that's The Book of Night Women by Marlon James. All right, our next question is from Steph, who says, I need some audiobook recommendations, something I can easily follow while doing my housework after the baby goes to bed. One audiobook I loved was The Year of Yes. I would really like something nonfiction again, maybe some humor or a memoir, but nothing too sad, please. What you got, Amanda? 
Okay, I picked My Life with Bob by Pamela Paul, which is a memoir. Um, it's not as funny necessarily as, Sh- as the Shonda Rhimes, but like what is? But I really loved this book because it's very low effort. Like you as a reader or a listener or whatever, don't have to put lots of work into keeping up with the book. And it's, it's a, um, Pamela Paul is the editor of the New York Times Book Review and Bob in the title is her book of books which is a journal that she has kept since high school that is a list of every book she's ever read. So like, it's just her book of books, right? And she carries it with her everywhere she goes and always has since she left to go to college. Um, and so the My Life with Bob is a book about her book of books. It is a memoir through the perspective of the best books that she's read in her life. But it's also sneakily kind of a travel memoir. Like she spent a lot of time in Russia um, and Asia as not a, as a like young adult in college. And then before, um, she really like settled down in her career and got married. And so I, when I, when I went into this, I, I sometimes have a problem with travel memoirs because they, they get very like, I took my trust fund and spent 45 years in Thailand. And it's like, oh God. Um, and I didn't know if like this was going to be that, but it wasn't like Pamela Paul's very, I don't know, like middle class. And there's, it, it doesn't come loaded with a lot of, weird pretension or anything and like she's traveling to places that I would never think to go so it was really interesting and the way that she ties her reading life into the stories of her travels are great like there's a scene where she's at a cafe in Italy and she's reading Anna Karenina and she gets like almost she almost gets trafficked like these dudes try to they have this whole con and they're trying to like get her to leave the cafe and go with her and she almost does until the waitress is like no boo boo you don't want to do that like that's a bad idea why don't you take your book and go to the bathroom and then we'll call the police and it's like this whole thing but the scene of this like really young naive american sitting in a cafe reading anna karina know all these like mobsters try to get her to go it, it was just fascinating so it, but it had an oddly funny like it was an oddly funny moment even though there's nothing funny about that situation but the way that she tells it is so just like goofy and odd i just loved it Anyway, so but it's a it's a really quiet kind of memoir. And I think something that would be enjoyable to listen in, to listen to when like your house is quiet and everyone is asleep and you're just like folding laundry. So that's my life with Bob uh, by Pamela Paul. I picked for you Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me by Mindy Kaling, because like the year of yes, it is a little bit of Hollywood, a little bit of personal life, a very funny writer and Mindy Kaling narrates it. So you have all of those good things all over again. Um, And you probably are familiar with Mindy Kaling. But just in case you're not, um, she was both a writer and an actress on The Office, the American one, before getting her own show. Um, So she is a comedian. She's a writer, as I said. And she's also the child of immigrant professionals. And she has a ton of stories about everything from, you know, being, uh, you know, first generation in America um, to dealing with, you know, performing off of Broadway or <laughs> like, you know, how to like, how did how did she get to be a successful comedian and writer? All of those things, um, you know, her dating stories, uh, best friends stories. She's very irreverent, as you might imagine. Very funny. And I think that this is exactly the kind of thing that will keep you laughing and distracted as you do your chores. Uh, maybe laughing potentially too loudly. I don't know. I don't know. She's very, very funny. Uh, but I think it it will fill that void of the year of yes as well. So, I mean, Shonda Rhimes is just so hard to beat. And I don't know that Mindy Kaling can beat her, but she comes close. So, again, that's Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me and Other Concerns by Mindy Kaling.
All right. Our last question is from Justin, who says, I'm trying to deal with a lot of things right now. My wife is traveling a lot and I miss her. So I'm escaping into the world of monsters, specifically 1890s through 1920s monster hunter goodness. That's very specific. I recently read S.A. Sidor's Fury from the Tomb and The Beast of Nightfell Hall, as well as the four books in Rick Yancey's Monstromologist series, and I'm looking for more in that vein. I love the arcane vocabulary in these books, as well as the sense of exoticism of travel in the days before TV or the internet. I also adore the relationship between Will and Pelinor in The Monstromologist. It's so tortured and full of love, full of love and yet so horrible. Monsters are great, but what I really need is a sense of the mysterious, as well as a horrible, sociopathic, nihilist narrator voice. Combined with that inevitable longing for love and human connection. But monsters too, if you can manage it. Okay, I love horrible sociopathic nihilist narrator is like, that's just my favorite. I love this. I I love this request so much. And I have something for you. I'm going to keep going. So my pick for you is The Last Werewolf by Glenn Duncan. And this narrator is the most sociopathic nihilist of ever, except he also has a lot of feelings. So he's not really a sociopath because he's got feels. He's just buried them under 200 years of like angst. So Jacob Marlowe is the main character, and as you can imagine from the title, he is the last werewolf. He was turned about 200 years before the book opens, and it takes place in modern day. So he becomes a werewolf in like the 17 or 1800s, I don't remember what. And when he was turned, the first the first night he committed this really terrible crime um, that has like tormented him through his whole existence as a werewolf up until now, 200 years later, 200 plus years later. Um, and he is just done. Like, He's the last of his kind. He hasn't seen another werewolf for years. He's bored. He's like read all the books. He's done all the things. There's nothing left for him to do. So when the book opens, he's pretty much like, I'm just going to, this is done. I'm going to like go drink some silver. We're going to end this. Um, And then something happens where he meets another werewolf and doesn't know what, like what, what, what? And so the mystery of both, where did this other werewolf come from? And like, I thought I was the last one and all of these sorts of things. Um, But also... Oh, God, like, there's another person out there who knows my life who, like, I could connect with, and that might make life worth living again. So that is all happening. And at the same time, you're getting flashbacks into his history and, like, how he became a werewolf and then what his life was like in the 18th or 19th century as living as a werewolf and, like, trying to evade capture. Um, and you get a lot of that, like, exoticism through travel before TV slash the internet thing in those flashbacks because he does, he has to go to, like, far-flung parts of the earth to avoid you know being captured or put in prison or whatever because you know at that point you're basically a serial killer um and so you've got to do a lot to stay away from you know the authorities i guess uh, but jake's voice when i first read it it reminded me a lot of um like a chuck Palahniuk novel mm. almost because he jake has that very like knowing sardonic obnoxious kind of narrating style where like he knows all the things and everything is boring and like nothing is cool it's like your most goth high school boyfriend <laughs> except he's 200 freaking years old but at the same time i loved him like weirdly i'm also that girl who thinks kylo ren is interesting like i'm the only one so there's that so it might just be me but i really loved these books and it's actually the first in the trilogy um and the other books are told from different character perspective so you won't get more of his like sociopathic nihilist narration um but the first one is definitely worth reading even if you don't continue so that's the last werewolf by glenn duncan you are far from the only person who thinks kylo ren is interesting amanda have you met the internet like oh my gosh 
I thought the internet was mostly about how he's the worst. And I mean, he is the worst, but like in a way that I'm here for, I, it's weird. You have not been in the same fan circles as I have, I guess. Like no. Draco Malfoy and Kylo Ren are like the darlings of a very specific section of the internet that I will, oh, I will here for Draco. work on introducing you to sometime. Okay. <laughs> like I like a redemption story, I guess, is really. I see. I see. Yeah. It, like gothy boys with daddy issues is a whole special corner of the internet. <laughs> Yes, but not Draco. No, he's whiny. All right. Well, fair enough. I mean, Kylo Ren is pretty whiny, but this is a side. This is a whole separate podcast. So (laughs) should we start a podcast (laughs) called Goth Boys with Daddy Issues? Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Justin, I went a little off the rails with my pick for you, but I have a reason, I swear. Um, I picked Borderline by Michelle Baker, which comes with trigger warnings for suicide and self-harm. It gets pretty dark in a really interesting way. This is a very modern sociopathic narrator slash monster story. Like it is, it actually takes place in Hollywood. And I know that's not what you wanted. You wanted 1890s, 1920s, you know, no internet, whatever. But listen, there, like all of the things that you liked, like the, you know, the art, the vocabulary and the torture and the love and horrible and it's great, but it's also looking for love, but nihilist, like all of that is in here. So I think that if you're willing to give a modern story line a chance like this should be the one that you try it's the main character millie uh as i said there's uh trigger warnings in here so the main character millie uh was depressed and having all kinds of issues and attempted suicide and did not succeed but she did lose both of her legs so she's a double amputee who has been in both physical and mental rehab for a while. And she was an aspiring filmmaker, and all of that, obviously, is pretty much gone as far as she's concerned. But one day, uh, somebody walks into her rehab location where she's, like, trying to decide if she's ready to go back into the real world or not, but she has no career prospects. She has no friends. Like, she just has nothing. And this organization walks in and offers her a gig And basically tells her that elves are real, like magic is real, and they want her to come be part of this secret organization that polices the traffic between our world and the fairy world. And she's like, I don't know how dumb you think I am, but they offer her a lot of money and a hookup back into the film industry if she does the thing. And she's basically like, what do I have to lose? I have have literally nothing to lose, so I might as well do this because... You know, what else am I going to do with myself? And she goes and moves into this house where the rest of the organization's agents live. And they all have some kind of issue, like deep-seated, serious, mental or physical or combination thereof issues. And so she's a misfit among misfits. All of them are really difficult and complicated to deal with. She herself, like, is sometimes just, like, you want to reach into the book and shake her. Um, But also, she is just looking for love and connection and a way to get healthy again. And you can't help but empathize with that struggle, even as you're like, oh, my God, stop being a horrible jerk. So, and then, of course, there's this whole monster plot and there's a missing movie star. And then is he a nobleman of the Siri court? Like, he's really an elf. And, like, there's a conspiracy. And what is the conspiracy? And all of this stuff and you get dug into both Hollywood and this fairy tale realm and it's very twisty turny there's a lot of insidery vocabulary and she's got to figure out what's going on and she does not play well with others at all but you see her start to like open herself up to relationships is really satisfying 
So there's a lot going on here. It is the first in a series. The second book, at the very least, is out. So if you do end up liking it, there is more. I think you should give it a shot. Again, that's Borderline by Michelle Baker. Oh, and the main character, it's called Borderline because she has borderline personality disorder. I forgot to mention that. She's got a lot going on. All right. I'm done now. (laughs) And that is our show. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to our musings about Kylo Ren and also books. Uh, (laughs) If you would like to leave a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it. It helps other folks to find the show, juices that search algorithm, and we love to see the feedback. Thank you so much to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And you can find us on social media. Amanda, where are you at? I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. And you can find me on Twitter as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL, and on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we'll talk to you next time. 